Let's get to the Word. We're going to be opening up to Ecclesiastes again today. And um, you might be wondering how long we've been looking at this book. It has been pretty much all year. And whenever I'm preaching, I'm preaching on Ecclesiastes. And But you should know that this is probably the second last one because I feel God's pushing me to do something after high school camp, um, something else. And so we will be, we'll be moving on. When I get back from high school camp, there'll be... Um, you know, a couple of visitors while we're away on camp, but then when we get back, we'll be into a different topic. So um, what I would like to say is uh, maybe just as we're finishing up today and um, next Sunday, maybe you might like to just read through the book once again. You know, maybe you've been reading over it a few times uh, since the start of the year as we've been diving into the book, and I just want to encourage you, let's finish strong with this uh, study that we've been doing and learning, and um, yeah, maybe this week and next week you could just read a chapter a day or something until you get through the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes, and um, yeah, I want to encourage you in that. So, Every time we look at this book, I'm amazed at how, um, you know, we can open it up and, and, and a lot of people just write it off as this awkward, difficult, depressing, despairing book. And yet when we open it and we put on those eyes of Jesus, um, or, or sorry, the, the, the uh, Jesus goggles rather, um, that thing that I keep telling you about when we, when we read the Old Testament, we put on our Jesus goggles and, and out of the wisdom that we get out of the book, we also see these glimpses of like gospel truths, Right? We see these, these glimpses of, of Jesus' heart for his church that shine through this sort of odd worldview that the wise teacher has. Okay? And so we see these principles and we've been applying them to our lives as best we can. Today's going to be no different. We're in chapter 11. We're going to read through the verse, first six verses together. Right? And so um, this is what it says. It says, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. There it is. This, uh, as I was reading through Ecclesiastes and come to that passage, I was like, wow, this is like some really good business advice. Kind of like, uh, hey, here's, here's some great general sort of wisdom um, that we could take on board. That, and, and I was thinking the first time I heard this principle for myself um, outside of the Bible, you know, that we should, if you're going to invest, you, you don't just put all your eggs in one basket. You should sort of spread, spread your investment out a little bit. Um, it came from a mate of mine in Gainda called, his name's Ben, and he's a farmer. And um, I knew him as a watermelon farmer, but then I found out he grew a whole heap of other things as well. And um, we were talking about all the different types of crops he has, and I was kind of like, why, why do you sort of have all these different things? And he said, well, you've got to spread your risk. You've got to spread your risk, is what he said. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
He said, we grow watermelons and pumpkins in, in that paddock over there. And then a bit further up the road, um, we, we grow our sorghum and our corn and our oats. And then out further, even, even out further on my uncle's paddocks, um, that's where we grow our peanuts, right? And so he's explaining this to me. And he, and he says, I also have some cattle too, because we've got to spread our risk out, all right? The risk of investment. From year to year, he said, you never know which crop's going to do well. You never know um, what sort of price they're going to give you when you, when you sell your crop to, the, to the, your, your harvest to the market, right? You never know um, what the weather's going to be like. And um, he said, if we put everything in one paddock, you know, and, and you have a bad year, then everything's going to go bad, you know? And so in that sense, we've got to spread our risk. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And so when I was reading through uh, Ecclesiastes this year, doing study on the book and, and look, come across this passage. I sent him those verses and um, he's not a Christian, but he was like, man, that is exactly what we do out here at Colston Lakes. And I was like, well, there you go, man. That's pretty cool. It's, it's good wisdom. And um, this is some great wisdom. And oftentimes we read the Bible like this and we go, well, there you go, some good advice. But I think there's more layers to it, Right. And as I was saying, you need to get to the point where you've put your Jesus goggles on and you've thought, what does Jesus actually say about this? This too. So we're going to get there, but there's some more stuff to consider before we do that. And the next thing is, um, you know, considering who this passage was written to originally, right? The context and the audience it was written for. Many scholars, as I've been studying uh, commentaries and so on in this book, they believe Ecclesiastes was written in a time and for a time when God's people were under foreign rule and they were, they were oppressed by some other king of another nation, right? Not really in the position God wanted them to be. And that actually, just as it turns out, is much of the Old Testament narrative, right? And so our wise teacher, it's like he's gathered together a few of his students and he says, hey, guys, if you're going to make this work, you know, if we're, if we're going to get through this foreign rule over, over the top of us, then we need, to, we need everyone to do their part. You know, we need everyone to be investing. Invest in everything you can. And there's even that sense of generosity in that investing as well. Look, we need every person doing every part that they can with all that they have, right? And, and he's kind of saying, believe that God, the maker of all things, is still with us, you know, as we do that. Right, the investment we make now in our lives, it might come back and, and we might make a good return on it. That's, that's what he seems to be saying. You could, you could imagine that's the sort of, it's like a little pep talk for these guys, you know, for the community of God's people. The idea of shipping your grain across the sea, it, it literally means cast your bread onto the waters and hope for a return, right? And so it's, and it's, it's far greater than just your money, um, right, but it's it's about this attitude of like I'm going to take everything that I have and I'm going to put it to work and I'm going to hope for a return, right? I'm going I'm to trust God that He's going to make good with what I, what He's given me, right? We'll see what God does with it if I'm generous enough to give it to Him, right? You could imagine in those days you put all your grain onto a boat and they say we're going to take this somewhere for you and sell it and in Six months, nine months, next year, maybe we'll come back and um, we might have something else for you. <laughs> you know, we might have been able to trade it for something and, and you'll end up with something good, hopefully. You know, that kind of just cast your bread out onto the waters and make a return. It was a great trust in God. And so the wise teacher adds to his pep talk this idea that we ought to remind ourselves that while we'd like to be in control of our future, while we'd like to... Um, 
you know, like to know everything that's going on. God is really the only one who knows what's going on, right? He's the maker of all things. He's, he's like, we struggle to tell what the weather's doing and God can form life in the mother's womb, <laughs> right? He's like, don't forget that, right? There's a sense in which everything is moving in a direction that he determines, not us, right? And that is part of investment. That's part of casting your bread on the waters. That's actually part of generosity. When you're generous and you give a gift, you don't actually know whether you're gonna be blessed in return for that. Right, so this is, this is part of the, the, the pep talk. He says, while we ought to invest and take risks, we should do it with a humble attitude too. You know, we, should, we should put those investments to prayer. We can be fully aware that God is really the one writing the story. That's what he's trying to say to his, his community. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the one that gets the first and last word in our lives, Right? And he adds this in as a way of saying, while our situation might be a bit precarious under foreign rule, while things, the future is uncertain, it's going to take everything we have. He's kind of like saying, come on, guys, we can do this. Things, things might get better. We, we should cast our bread on the waters and we'll get a return. Now, what does all of this have to do with us? What does it have to do with 316 Church? What does it have to do with the McKenzie community? What does it have to do with following Jesus what does it have to do with the gospel? I'm glad you're asking those questions as well because we're going to try and look into that a little bit and there's two parables we're going to go with out of the New Testament and um, we're going to look to apply this to, to our context. As I said, this is where we put the Jesus goggles on. Whenever you read through the Old Testament and you come across a topic like investment or something like that, stewardship, generosity, anything like that, you can autom- a lot of us would automatically think of a parable or, an, or a New Testament story. And you can, it is very good to link those stories to think about, hey, Jesus talked about this and then, and then see what connection there is. And so that's, this is, I'm telling you how I do my sermons, by the way. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what I do when I'm trying to figure out what does Jesus want to say about this Old Testament passage this obs- in this obscure book of Ecclesiastes. What does he say about investment? What does he say about generosity? Not just, and, and I need to say, not just talking about money, our whole lives, every area of our life. And I'm not just talking about your finances or your family, but us as a church too. What is he saying to us as a church? What is he saying to us as students of, of him who came and lived and died for us? So the parable of the rich fool is in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to start at verse 16. Jesus says, um, he says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. You can kind of imagine that sort of... um, uh, like, oh, what shall I do with all my grain? <laughs> you know, a bit, bit snooty, this rich man. He says, oh, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. <laughs> you know, you could imagine him saying this, gloating a little bit. And there I will store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. <laughs> Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. That's my, that's my snooty rich man voice, right? That's, that's what he's saying. <laughs> Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. This is like someone writing you a check for a million dollars a year for the rest of your life. 
You know, it's, it's, it's like that sort of a thing. He had so much wealth. And yet, you just keep it all to yourself, right? You just build a nice, nice place and uh, order Uber Eats and watch Netflix and just, just hang out and, um, and that's it, you know, for the rest of your life. And yet, you've got all of this great wealth to do awesome things with. Okay, that's a bit. That's a bit what it's like. That'd be the the, the new, um, you know, way of saying this parable. In fact, even more so. Again, to get away from talking about finances, this is like being blessed with amazing gifts and talents. You're really good at something, and no one else possesses that that talent, right, or that gift. It's like being able to play piano like Beethoven, and then never writing your music and never performing for anyone, and you just you just have this basement in your house where you just go down and play this magnificent music and no one ever hears it and at the end of your life you just burn up everything that you played and burn up your piano and that's it right very sad equally sad this is like Donald Bradman only ever playing backyard cricket (laughs) right very sad for the Australian cricket team (laughs) right this is like Jonathan Thurston Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk never playing Origin. Even though, even though we want them to, they just said, nah, not for me. Not for me, guys. This fool was rich with much, right? But he kept it to himself. That's what's going on here. And this is like the church being given everything they need. Do we have everything that we need? This is like being given God's presence. God's resources, every spiritual blessing in Christ, one another for support and encouragement, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a great commission to fulfill, a living and active word in our Bibles, on our phones, protection from the evil one, our daily bread. We've got our cake and we can eat it too, in a sense. Right, Everything that God's blessed us with and how often do we fall into that trap of just sort of sleeping on it, you know? (laughs) Just shutting ourselves up and sleeping on it. Because it's easier to eat, drink and be merry. In fact, maybe it's just much safer to just enjoy God for ourselves. You know, there's no need to run the risk of making a mistake here and trying to to give of what God's given us. You know, we might we might do the wrong thing, or or say the wrong thing, or or, or misuse God's resources if that was even possible. <laughs> we might say something we shouldn't have, but I don't think Jesus has resourced us with all of that, right? For us to just be sleeping on top of it all, you know, not doing anything with it. It's like I, I think of the Transfiguration, right, of Jesus in all all God's glory. And, and that big like flash of light and and how amazing that would have been. It's kind of like we've got that, you know. We've we've seen the glory of God in our lives. We've experienced Him. He's with us every day, and it's kind of like we see all of Him shining around us. And then it's like we just go, you know what? This is pretty cool up here. We should go to sleep now. <laughs> you know, we can just, you know, just we'll just stay here and it'll be good. Yeah, we, there's no sense in which we go down from the mountain and wonder what that was all about and, and go out and tell people. God says to the fool, 
This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And I think Jesus' heart for his church is that we would cast our bread upon the waters. Right, that we would not store up everything we have just for ourselves, but that we would invest what we have in many ventures. Right, yes, in eight, in ten, in as many as we can with what we have, because otherwise we're running the risk of never being who God wants us to be. Right, I don't want us to run out of time like the rich fool did. Right, some of us are investing everything that God's given us into all different areas of life, but maybe there's some areas that we're not. There's another parable that speaks to this as well, and it's in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents or the bags of gold, as the new NIV says it, and we're going to read through that as well. Jesus says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. He cast his bread upon the waters, if you like, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold, he cast his bread on the waters as well and he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's like, did, did Jesus have to include that in the end of the parable? <laughs> Sounds pretty scary, doesn't it? But uh, I think Jesus is telling us here what he's opposed to. Right? And I think he's directly opposed to, to defensive living to taking everything God has and storing it up for yourself and saying, this is mine. And there's no way I'm, I'm ever going to cast it out on the waters. 
right? He didn't go to the cross and make the investment of his blood shed and his body broken that we would sleep on it, right? And bury it, yeah? For fear of doing the wrong thing or losing something. I think if that, if that guy who had the one bag of gold, if he went out and lost it all trying to invest, I don't think he would have been punished, right? I think he would have said, Master, I did the best I could. I've only got a couple of coins left, but I tried. You know, I think, I think he would have gone, okay, come and, come and share your master's happiness. You know, I think he would have said that. I think true religion is an awareness that we ought to get to work, right? Doing what we know we ought to do with all that we have rather than battening down the hatches, building a bigger barn for our resources, rather than digging bigger holes in the ground to bury what God keeps giving us and resourcing us with. Instead, we're going to open up our hands and our hearts, right? We're going to dig up the bags of gold. We're going to start investing, start casting our bread on the waters. And, you know, again, I'm not just talking about money. We are going to tithe, of course. We are going to do another building project, you know, in the context of church. We are going to do these things, but it's so much more than that. I'm talking about, are we going to study God's Word seriously? You know, believing that, even if I've been reading it for 50 years, you know, even if I've been sitting in church my whole life, it's still living and active. You know, believe, this is casting your bread on the water. Every time you open, open the word of God and believe, God's still got a fresh word for me today. We're talking about passionate prayer. You know, believing that God's going to move in our life. Believing that he, he does something when we pray. Believing that he listens. Talking about a commitment to fasting. You know, maybe we did that once or twice or, you know, maybe it was, it was difficult, so you don't have to do it. You know, but a commitment, believing that when we cast our bread on the waters, that there'll be a return from that investment that we make. Exchanging food for time with God. You know, I think, I think prayer and fasting is actually like building interest in the bank with the things God gives, God gives you. Right, because when you, it's, it's like when you go to prayer, um, God's, God shows you all of the good things that he's given you, all of the things he's resourced you with. You, it like rejigs your frame of mind. And with that interest, you go, well, we better not just leave this in the bank. Let's do something with it. You know, I think that's what prayer and fasting does. I'm talking about finding a place to use our gifts and talents to build others up. I'm talking about telling others about Jesus, having meaningful conversations. When we're asked about our faith, why we go to church, why do you keep rocking up to church every Sunday? You know, why can't you come hang out with us on Sunday? You know, and having those meaningful conversations. I'm talking about inviting someone to Alpha. You know, that's an investment. I'm talking about invite, inviting someone over for dinner. You know, maybe someone at work who you know is going through a tough time and you say, hey, come over, we want to we have you over for dinner and, and just um, have a good, you know, just, just hang out or have a good meal together, whatever it is. Offering to pray for someone. Talking about loving our neighbours. What bag of gold has God given you? 
You know, we're, we're, often in our life, there's, there's a part of our life where God's just given us a bumper crop, you know, a really productive harvest, you know, uh, something where we're just super blessed. And, and often that's a good place to start. Start giving out of that. Start reinvesting the resources that God's given you in that area. I look at the people here in this church, small as we may be, you know, and I see cups running over with talent, you know, God-given potential. I see love for one another. I see hope. I see a belief that God, um, you know, still is wanting to move in our lives and in our families. Maybe for some of us, we feel like um, something's holding us back. You know, maybe you've been, you feel like you've been just stuck um, in, in a place where you, maybe it's because, you know, you're trying to wait for the perfect time, wait for the weather to, to line up before you start investing, you know, or planting your crop. And I feel like God's saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not how it goes. Trust me with that. Start investing. Start investing in all of these areas I was just, I was just sharing with you. It's just a place to start. We wondered, um, why don't we ever get any return? Why don't we ever have more bags of gold piling up, in a sense? Maybe it's because we've been burying some of them, you know? And I feel like God's saying it's time to just dig them up, start investing, start giving into this uh, kingdom economy, you know, of, of generosity, open hands, doing what we can with what we have there's so many ways to do this that every one of us can do it, you know. And if we go back to that pep talk at the start, you know, he's saying, hey, guys, cast your bread upon the waters. Let's see what God does. You know, he's the maker of all things, the God of all resources. You know, he knows how to make life come together in a mother's womb. What could he do here if we were to, if we were to say, yeah, let, let's do it. Let's invest. Let's Let's uh, think about how we can do that for our families, our friends, um, you know, things that are happening here. You might have seen a gap recently in church where you go, man, I, that, that could probably be better or maybe I could, I could help out and maybe you've been waiting for the right time. You know what? The time is now. And so if that's you, if that's you, if that's in your heart, if that's what God's been speaking to you about, then we've got a couple of ways to respond. You know, maybe you're aware that there's a bag of gold you've been burying in the dirt, a bit worried about uh, what might happen to that resource if you were to invest it. Then I want to challenge you today. It's time to dig it up and it's time to give it to God. Have some open hands. It might be your car. It might be your job. It might be your, your money. It might be your time. Gifts and talents, your whole heart. Others of us might like to respond by renewing our commitment, you know, to the things that God's already given us, his word, living and active, you know, just having a system. I am going to follow a plan and it is going to be difficult, but I'm going to do it as best I can. And I'm just going to keep moving when I, when, I, when, I, when I struggle with that. Maybe it's a commitment to prayer, a commitment to fast one day a week or one meal a week. And instead of eating, just, just read the word and pray. Rather than digging something up, we might need to push into what God's already given us. You know, um, 
I didn't write out the, uh, the actual verse here, but I just put a note of the scripture reference. In John 12, Jesus is predicting his death, talking about what, how the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem and be handed over to the religious leaders, and he goes to the cross, and he uses this example of a kernel of wheat, you know, like, a, like one seed, and he says that seed has to die before it can produce more seeds. And this is like the heart of the gospel. He's, this is casting your bread upon the waters. When Jesus goes to the cross, you know, he's, he's really saying, this is it, guys. Give of yourself wholeheartedly. You know, pour your life into something. And this is where we start to see a return. And I believe that this is um, something that God desires for his people to do. And so let's pray. Let's ask for God's help. Let's ask for courage. Let's, let's ask for um, empowerment. From the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just the, the, the truth um, that you, you desire so much more for us, Lord. And um, there's times where maybe uh, we feel like, you know, we never get a return. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to start to see a return. I think of the investment that's been made in this church over the years, nearly 50 years of investment, God. Different pastors, different leaders, different families coming and going. Some of us have been here for a very long time investing and putting our hearts and our souls into this place and into this community. And, and Lord, it's, it's time we're, we're asking that we would see, uh, an, see a return for all of that bread we've cast out on the waters. And uh, Lord, some of us also um, recognise that there might be something else we could do. There might be a bag of gold we've been uh, just burying in the dirt and um, today we're, we're willing to dig it up and to start investing that too. To do all that we can with all that we have to bring glory to your name, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd turn our hearts towards listening to your word. I know that as I, as I read about the faithful remnant in the Old Testament, um, they were good listeners to your word. And I pray that that would be true of us as well. I pray that you'd open our ears to be able to hear your word, God. I pray that you'd uh, help us to be turned towards prayer and fasting seeing that as an investment, Lord, into, into the life of this church, into our families, into our marriages, into everything that's happening, Lord, into our children's lives, Lord. I pray that as we cast our bread on the waters that you would bring a return. I thank you that we can trust you, the maker of all things. I thank you that, you know, you, you form, form life in the mother's womb. I pray that you'd, yeah, that, that, that amazing thing that you, you, can, uh, you can bring life from nothing, God. I pray that, that would happen here. And um, so we submit ourselves to you, uh, humbly aware that we don't know all that's going on. We don't know all that you're doing in the, in the world, but we trust you with the investment that we make today. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.